You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Pieces of a Woman. I wanted to stay at home. She sounds really good. Hi, baby. I wanted the baby to decide when she wanted to come. My daughter came into this world. for the time that she did. And I can't bring her back. Martha, is that you? How are you? Sixty to seventy percent of these cases, we rarely find a satisfactory explanation. There is something between us. Certain things medically we just don't have answers for. Very sorry for your loss. Thank you. How is Martha? Martha's fine. She's always fine. Have you decided to go to the trial? That's the right thing to do, honey. Because you say it is. She has to pay for her incompetence. We need some justice here. No, you need. Why are you trying to disappear my kid? Because we don't have a kid. You have to face this. I am facing this. I am facing it. I am facing this. about what they think this is about me this is about my life this is me All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Pieces of a Woman, and the story is as follows. A heartbreaking home birth leaves a woman grappling with the profound emotional fallout isolated from her partner and family by a chasm of grief. The film is starring Vanessa Kirby, Shia LaBeouf, Ellen Burstyn, Benny Safdie, Sarah Snook, Molly Parker, Jimmy Fales, and Eliza Schlesinger. It is directed by Cornell Mundrusco and written by Cato Weber. Here to join me for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Ryan C. Showers. Hello, hello. Daniel Howitt. Hello. Cody Derricks. Hiya. And Dan Baer. Good morning. All right, everyone. So Pieces of Woman debuted at the Venice International Film Festival, where Vanessa Kirby won the Best Actress Prize over there. She has been getting a tremendous amount of Oscar buzz for her performance in this movie, as has her co-star Ellen Burstyn in the supporting actress category. And then there's this other guy in this movie who had a, let's just say, a very, very hard fall from grace. And I really just want to address right up front that I'm here to talk about Shia LaBeouf's performance in this movie. I think that what he has done in his personal life is absolutely horrible. And I'm not going to necessarily focus too much on that, but I will say I think that it is really hard for all of us, pop, probably in some form or another, to look at this movie now through the lens of 
the information that uh, came out in regards to his abuse. And so going to try and just keep that, you know, separate for the purposes of this review if we can. If not, totally cool. Either way, uh, we're all here to give our honest opinions of this movie. This is Pieces of a Woman. It is currently streaming on Netflix. I'm going to pass it over first to Nicole Ackman. Nicole, what did you think of this movie? So I was very intrigued when I first heard about this movie. I've loved Vanessa Kirby for a long time. I saw her in a play um, called Julie, which is an adaptation of Miss Julie at the National Theater a few years ago and was so impressed by her. So I was very excited to get to see her in like a proper leading role. Um, and I also like this movie is very personal to me in some ways and that my family has a history of um, traumatic birth experiences. Um, my cousins, my aunts, nothing, you know, to this extreme, but it's something that like I've been very aware of my entire life um, and uh, kind of helping to remove the taboo around talking around these sort of things is something that's very important to me. Um, so whenever I got to, to screen it, um, through a, a screening late last year, I was so excited to see it. And this film devastated me. Like I sent Dan a picture so he can like, cl like corroborate this of what I looked like watching it because I was truly like curled up in a ball. It um, is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it again on Thursday, whenever it came on to Netflix. Uh, and I, I will admit, like, I didn't actually properly watch the home birth section of it because I knew that, like, with this week that we've been having, I was not in the right place to do that to myself. Uh, but honestly, I was really high on this movie whenever I watched it. Whenever I watched it again, I was almost even more impressed. I think it, it actually does play very well on a second watch. Um, I love this film. I think the performances in it are incredible kind of across the board really like i i really like what it's doing obviously it's not a perfect movie i do think the screenplay has some issues but i don't think it's as bad as some people are acting it like it is and i think that you know some of the the visual stuff in the film some of the ways that they like pull things um through it the metaphors that they build with it are really beautiful and i also will say i think the courtroom scenes in this are better than anything in trial of the chicago seven okay dan bear Something that Nicole just said, like, really sort of sums up how I think about this movie, too, which is that it played for me so much better on a second viewing than I really expected it to. Uh, I first saw this at the Toronto International Film Festival back in September and thought it was good. Thought that some of the filmmaking choices were bold, and I thought some of them were kind of obvious and annoying um and i thought the performances were fantastic uh but that the writing there was something a little overly melodramatic about some of the beats that didn't quite sit so well with me but the second time i watched it um just at a screening that netflix put on they had a q a afterwards with um the cast members and the director and the writer uh, I found that it played even better and partially because I think that there is this, it's not a twist exactly, but the movie doesn't go where you're expecting it to go from that, the first, certainly from that first, uh, scene, the home birth scene. And, um, even from like the first sort of few scenes after that and knowing where it was 
going gave me more of an appreciation for the scenes later in the film that took me a little by surprise the first time and i was actually more impressed with the with the writing specifically than i had been the first time around i still don't think it's great but it's really good and i can't wait to talk about it with the with everyone daniel howitt yeah i i want to echo a lot of what dan and nicole said um uh but I am fairly mixed on pieces of a woman. Uh, I, I do think it's effectively devastating. I think it's really emotionally draining uh, in a good way. Is that, I don't know if that's the thing. No, that's uh, a but thing. It's, it's, you know, it's, that's, that's yep. what it intends to do and it accomplishes the goal, you know. Um, so I think it's effective at what it's trying to do. Um, obviously, there's no question, this is an acting showcase. That's, that's the whole point of this movie. It's an acting showcase. And uh, the performances across the board are, are stunning. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is is especially incredible. The 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 performance is unbelievably internal. Uh, she's she's broken and filled with grief, but she's she's uh, she rarely even sheds tears in this film. Um, her, her response to the grief is to put up walls, um, and she's able to play these layered emotions in a really rare way um she doesn't overplay it ever so i i mean i absolutely think she has uh, the best uh, female performance of the year in my opinion um and yeah uh matt you addressed it up front it's it's really 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 uncomfortable to say but shia labeouf gives a, a, a great performance here obviously uh there's a scene that feels especially gross uh so it's pretty hard to watch yeah um but uh but yeah, so there's no reason to talk about him for very long. Uh, but Ellen Burstyn, my my gosh, uh, Ellen Burstyn is, is incredible. She she she's kind of the definition of a true supporting role. She gets these few specific moments uh, to really shine. But 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 when she's in the film, much she really shines. Um, so so she's phenomenal. But like I said, I'm I'm weak on the film. Like Dan and Nicole said, the writing is. Um, well, I'll say it's stronger than they did, I guess. The, the writing is really weak uh, as a whole. Um, uh, I, rather than let the grief uh, unravel naturally, uh, the film piles pain on top of pain on top of pain on top of pain, and more and more things keep happening uh, to where it gets pretty silly uh, at, at a certain point. Um, I, I don't want to spoil the whole plot. Maybe we'll get into it later by kind of going through those beats, but it's not just the loss of their child more and more stuff gets piled on top. And so it's, um, it gets a little ridiculous to be honest with you. Um, so, and, and also even with Burstyn's uh, showcase, you know, she has this phenomenal performance with this monologue and she does an amazing job, but I actually think that the content of what she's saying is kind of nonsense. Um, so it's like really, really beautifully performed nonsense. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's it, that's why I'm so mixed on it. Like I, I also do have to agree with Dan and Nicole that watching this a second time was helpful. Um, it it really allowed the strong filmmaking because it really is a well directed film. Um, it allows the the filmmaking to stand out over the poor writing. Once I knew I knew what the story was going to be, I knew where it was going to go. It allowed me to appreciate the direction uh, more because uh, it really is it's well directed, it's well performed. So um, so I'm mixed on it. Uh, probably mixed positive. I think there's a lot of good here. Um, I, I you know I didn't didn't even touch on the incredible opening sequence. Um, but yeah, I just thought the writing was very hit or miss. Didn't and it, it didn't do justice to the performances or direction. Okay. Cody Derricks. So I went into Pieces of Woman knowing two things. One, there is there were 
uh, said to be spectacular performances, especially from Ellen Burstyn and Vanessa Kirby. And two, there was this really harrowing but technically impressive uh, long opening, semi-opening uh, home birth sequence. And those are both true. What I was really surprised to find, though, was that after that sequence, where I've heard a lot of people say the film kind of drops out or falls apart, I found it really just captivating the entire time. Um, I don't remember who said it, but somebody said uh, hard to watch in a good way. And I definitely agree with that. It's really captivating and engrossing in a way that is punishing is the wrong word, but it is definitely taxing, but also it's not exhausting. I don't know if that makes sense. There's a lot of duality in this movie. And that's also echoed in the way that like the writing and the directing kind of play off of each other. Um, I agree that some of the writing is a little bit questionable. There's some um, specific lines that are delivered from the less esteemed members of the cast. Perhaps there's some like cameos and one off scenes where characters have to deliver this kind of ridiculous dialogue. And if they're not the pros uh, leading the movie, it's a little bit more obvious how, strange the screenwriting is but then again some of it is kind of suppressed by the direction which is really impressive it takes a lot of these metaphors that are in the screenplay i have to imagine are in the screenplay and are maybe a little bit obvious and makes them really supremely moving by kind of making them understated yet hard to ignore again i'm maybe making not a lot of sense here but there's a lot of kind of paradoxical duality in this movie that i found again just really engrossing okay and ryan c showers uh, yeah, I found Pieces of a Woman to be um, very raw and honest in a way that so few films are. Uh, going in knowing that this was that the buzz about this movie was the acting, it really made me appreciate the directing and uh, the score and some of the cinematography um, even greater. Like for instance, I thought like most of the time my focus whenever I was watching Pieces of a Woman was on the directing choices. I always I think the director is always doing something interesting and something just a little a little different than how a, a normal straightforward uh version of this story would have been told um i do think that the um the the emotional impact just looms over this movie and there is something very believable about the emotional connection that each of the characters have with each other um which of course goes to um which is a, a tribute to the the, the incredible acting here um, Ellen Burstyn was um, my favorite of the cast, um, and I do think that um, the film is 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 too long, and I re- I credit that to just extra fat on the screenplay. I think there would have been a knockout movie in here if they could have um, somehow focused and made this more concise in uh, in parts. Um, but overall, I liked it more than I expected to. This reminds me of melodramas from like the '90s in a way. Do, would you guys like agree with that? Like stylistically? <laughs> I got seven oh, yeah, more bit. than nineties. <laughs> so that's why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and, and you know, I'm watching it again and I'm thinking of movies like, I don't know, like the sweet hereafter or ordinary people, you know? And I'm like watching this movie and I'm thinking to myself like, Oh, this is just one of those movies where you head in knowing you know, to expect it to be a hard-hitting drama. It's all about the acting. It's real people in real-life situations, something that you can kind of, you know, relate to. And I think in that regard, the movie does a pretty decent job of exploring some, as Nicole said, complex emotions that we typically don't tend to actually verbalize and talk about. And I actually think that the strongest element of this movie is 
the pain that Vanessa Kirby's character, Martha, is going through and how the screenplay continuously makes her, uh, the characters around her uh, make her pain about them. And this movie is really, really enforcing that this is her body. This was her baby. This is her life. And no one seems to really be acknowledging that they're they're they like they're acknowledging it, but they're more so, I think, focused on how it how it affects them. And I think that that actually made for some really interesting um, dialogue driven scenes that produced some fine performances from everybody involved across the board. Um, I do think that where the screenplay does get a little weird is when these other supporting characters, as mentioned before, get introduced outside of the main trio. And then you kind of find out that they're all connected, which is also like very bizarre and weird. Um, some of them are even like all like related via family. Um, anyway, so on the whole, I, I think it's a flawed movie, but I can't deny that the performances pack such an emotional wallop. And I really appreciate that the movie's also bringing to light something that is very personal and something that's really, really difficult to actually discuss and talk about because it is so personal. So for the movie to try and make that universal for people, that's a very, very tight rope to walk. And I really think if it wasn't for the leading performance, especially from Vanessa Kirby, this movie would not have worked at all. I mean, like literally at all, because it's already got to ding against it for some of the writing choices. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's uh, recent uh, controversy also does not help. I mean, it like honestly, like really, thank God for Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Burstyn in this, really, because I genuinely think that even Ellen Burstyn's like big monologue scene that Daniel says is borderline ridiculous in terms of its content, which is true. Like, yeah, okay, but Dang. apparently she Cute. partially ad libbed it, like the, which the makes sense. Half of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she and I'm like, okay, so sense. we can't actually we can't actually blame Weber for all of that. No, no, no. <laughs> but like, I, but my point though is that like she's. She's taking the material and she's elevating it. Yeah. And I do think that her and Kirby do that continuously throughout the movie. And yeah, I think there is some really, really, really strong direct directorial choices on display here. Um, how can we not first start by talking about the opening 22 minute long uh, birth sequence? Because that sequence concludes and a half an hour of the movie has gone by and there's still about another 90 minutes left and the title card comes up right after it. And you're just like, Oh, like you, you could finally exhale for even just a second. If, if you're able to even do that, because man, that scene, that's, that's one of the scenes of the year right there. Yeah. That title card appearing 20, 30, 23 minutes into the movie. I've never used this phrase before, but it's a very baller move. It's yeah. Pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. I mean like, and I can't, it's, that scene is such you need that little pause to breathe after it is so intense and which is strange because of how it starts. It starts like this very normal domestic scene between a husband and wife. And then it just keeps steadily, but slowly escalating everything 
until you know he runs out into this street and the ambulance is coming and the noise and the lights and the i uh, it's it's so well crafted and well choreographed and like it's a legit one take as far as i can tell like it does not look cheated at all well, Dan, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, the big hype around this movie has been that it starts out in with this big uninterrupted sequence. So whenever the fact that the film didn't open up like initially yeah. with that sequence did kind of throw me for a loop. I was like, wait, is this the is this what, what everyone's been talking about? <laughs> um, but I'm actually glad that it didn't because it, it really laid the seeds for these um, the problems and within these relationships um, in her life to then make sense after. Uh, what happens in the big scene? If that, uh, d- does that make sense? Yeah, no, there's a there's a little bit of minor character setup where we yeah. see Sean, he's a construction worker building a bridge. Martha's expecting a baby. We know that there's a brother-in-law named Chris played by one half of the Safdie brothers. And he's a car dealer. We understand that uh, Elizabeth, uh, Ellen Burstyn's character, Martha's mom, is she doesn't really like Sean all that much. Um and partially, that it, it looks like that has to do with um, combination of his financial situation and also um, uh, lack of responsibility as she sees in him. So, like, she's paying for the car, even though he's all like, you know, I could have paid for the car and so on and so forth. So, yeah, no, I agree with you, Ryan. There, there are seeds that are laid out there. So this way, when that scene plays out, we do get this tiny bit of an idea of who these people are. So we care a bit more. And that scene that scene is so naturalistic in terms of the performances. It like, it's so enveloping. I, I felt like I was watching a play where I just got so, so lost in the performances because it felt real. It felt so believable to me. Well, the fact that you felt like it was based on a play, I felt the same thing. And then afterwards when it checked and it was in fact based on a play. Yeah. <laughs> so I that I kind of like, could feel that as I was watching the movie and I don't think that's a bad thing that's a common criticism is that a movie feels stage bound here it didn't really bother me especially because you know there were these long sequences that were kind of making use of film in an impressive way that wouldn't be necessarily impressive on stage if that makes sense Um, and also the kind of strange coincidences of the screenplay would also be more forgivable on stage Mm -hmm. and the play was um from what I can tell, performed by like a teeny tiny Polish theater company. And that's another thing about the movie that's interesting. It feels very European, specifically Eastern European, mm-hmm. in like the look, the writing, the yeah. kind of tone of it. Yeah. That I'm almost surprised that they transported it to Boston. I don't really I don't really understand why they did that. I don't not appreciate that choice. Um it's just kind of odd. You know what's really interesting? If this movie had been in uh an international production with international actors. I almost wonder if this would be our international feature winner this year. It feels very much like yeah. that type of movie that was nominated there. I was thinking of like the love list from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I do think maybe I am a little bit more forgiving of the screenplay um, because I, I think like from a plot perspective, I find the screenplay quite good. Um, but the fact that like the writer's first language, I believe is not English. I think it's Hungarian. Um, makes me a little bit more forgiving of things, I think, maybe, because it does come out of that, you know, it is something that is um, 
coming out of Europe and isn't, you know, American. And I think it translates very well. Like, I think they did a very good job with that. But I do also definitely feel that, Cody. It feels very European uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and I also agree with Cody that the, the the it's so interesting that it's based on a play. And I think that's why I have more problems with the script than the direction. Because I think I think the direction really elevates the filmmaking so like it doesn't feel it doesn't look or feel like a play uh from a filmmaking perspective um i think the scenes are constructed in a way that doesn't feel like like adaptations of play can sometimes feel like constrained or set in just one location even even though they actually are set in one location the filmmaker is, is able to move the camera as such that it doesn't feel claustrophobic and so i think it's a real credit and it's so interesting. Has anybody looked up where they filmed this? Because I thought the exact same thing about this feeling Eastern European. It felt like they filmed it in like Germany, uh, but it, I, I think it was Toronto. I'm not entirely sure, but it's so interesting uh, that, that we all thought Montreal, actually. Montreal. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it felt yeah. like they shot it in Canada to me. <laughs> Just the buildings. Uh, and the, it's definitely it supposed to take say... place in Boston. But, yeah. yeah. There was some filming, it looks like, also done in Norway. Um. Hmm. including the ends. You know, somebody mentioned earlier about visual metaphors. And I do want to just kind of come to that really quickly here because uh, we're talking about the, you know, the strength of the direction versus the strength of the writing. And I don't mind the visual metaphors of like, say, the bridge or the apple, for example. My only criticism of those visual metaphors in this movie is that they are repeated too often. Like, I, like it got to a point where I was like, okay, I get it already. And that's kind of why also the final shot of the movie was almost an eye roller for me. Yeah. The, oh, the metaphors happened. become less metaphor and more just kind of a uh, long-term theme in the movie, especially the bridge. We check in on that damn bridge so often. It's so fascinating to me that at first, I thought they were just like using the building. Oh, okay, it's passage of time, blah, 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 whatever. And then I realized that, like, no, it's she's building herself. She's coming back to herself. And I was like, oh. Especially because then her final sequence, well, second to final sequence, is her on the bridge. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, yeah, it's all very Ibsen. Yeah, it's very. Oh my God, Cody, yes. <laughs> Ibsen is exactly what this whole thing is. That is exactly it. Oh my god. <laughs> College theater majors to the rescue. Exactly. <laughs> We're here, don't worry. The bridge one doesn't work as well for me, but I gotta say, the Apple one works for me. Yeah. It works for me so well to the point that then when there's the line in the courtroom scene, like, the second time I watched it, I just burst out crying. Um, because I think that, that that really isn't, it's not a visual thing. It is a theme. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, the way that it's acknowledged in the screenplay, you know, in actually verbally is kind of what cements that for me, because it is something that the character is literally just thinking about. And you realize that um, and it doesn't really all come together until the end. And I don't know, that really worked for me. Yeah, that was one of the things that improved for me on a second viewing, actually, because it like, I realized that it was a theme and what was happening throughout, but there, like, with the seeds that she's preparing for, through that, and it sort of comes back to that at points, I was really, like, looking at that going, like, wait, what is she doing now? Because it felt so disconnected from everything else that was going on. But then the second time I watched it and 
remembering, of course, Vanessa Kirby's just like devastating reading of that line. Her head smelled like apples. And when she started doing it, every time it went back to that, I kind of gasped a little. And I thought it was really well done. The thing about the apples, why I think it works pretty well, is because it's externalizing what, and somebody else mentioned this earlier, is uh, going on in this character who, who is keeping up walls and is very internalized. And again, I think that speaks to the inc- incredibleness. That's not a word. You know what I mean? The, <laughs> the strengths of Vanessa Kirby's performance is that it's not the performance you think it's going to be. It is so much about what she's not doing and not showing and keeping inside of her. And that makes it only all the more impressive. It's not, uh, to borrow a Scrabble term, boorish. Oh, yeah. That was an inside joke in the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't remember who commented on the some of the supporting the other supporting performances um, not being quite up to par. And I agree. Um, and I think that also contributed to some of their parts of the script not holding up as well. I'm specifically thinking about the line where Liza yells at Vanessa Kirby's character. You need therapy. Yeah. Um, it's just like. <laughs> Come on, really? Like, really? Is that yeah, what I'm, we're gonna do? I'm the one who said that, and I was specifically I wrote a note because the first person you see who's not like part of their family is that woman in the grocery store who's the yes. friend of Ellen Burson, uh, and she yeah. literally says to um, Vanessa Kirby's character, "There will be consequences," and it's just like, okay, come on, <laughs> oh, <laughs> must we? So <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the thing that bothers me is that like vanessa kirby's character and i think shia's character even are very very sensitively written and a lot of their dialogue is great and everything for everyone else the melodrama is kind of turned up to 11 and i feel like the film is sort of at odds with itself like it has these melodramatic roots that it wants to maintain and stay very true to but then you have this very very quiet internalized central character that wants to be in this, a much more naturalistic drama than this. Yeah. And I don't think those two uh, impulses are really pieced together. Well, in this movie, I will give a shout out though, um, to one person in the supporting cast outside of Ellen Burstyn. And that's Molly Parker. Um, on a second watch, She's I don't great. know if it's because of the birthing sequence, but the courtroom sequence, even she doesn't have, I think, any dialogue. And I thought she was doing some really understated and phenomenal work there. Uh, so out of everyone in the supporting cast, I think she kind of dodges those criticisms more because she's not in a lot of those scenes where the characters are interacting with one another and having to make very awkward conversation and dance around uh, the pain that Marfa is going through. And Sarah Snook is having an affair with uh, Sean, Shia LaBeouf's character. And I was like, she's also the only one doing a Boston accent, which is very, (laughs) yes. Matt, just to like follow up. I really agree with you about Molly Parker. I didn't even recognize her. I, I, she looks kind of familiar, but like I, you know, I loved her on house of cards. I've seen her on a lot of things and I had no idea that was her yeah. until after I finished. And that, that to me is like the greatest um, compliment you can pay to an actor. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you on that. Totally. Um, but like, like I said, like when you get to like some of these other scenes with these other characters, it, especially the scene at Ellen Burstyn's house where they're all outside of like Jimmy fails and Molly Parker, they're all together. 
it's really a mess until Vanessa Kirby's big moment mm-hmm. in that scene. I agree. I specifically wrote that down. Like I thought there were a lot of lazy writing choices in that scene leading up to the big one-on-one confrontation between Vanessa Kirby and um, and Ellen Burson. Uh, I I think if that's probably the biggest example of where the movie goes wrong, but um, subsequently the the confrontation between the two actors is probably also a per- perfect example of where the film goes right. I, I definitely think so. Cause once again, I, I think one thing that the movie does get very right is nobody knows what to say. Nobody knows how to deal with this situation. But the thing is that they, they don't have to say anything. They don't, have to necessarily do anything they don't have to make it about them this is about her and nobody is able to separate themselves for a moment and ask her what do you need they're telling her what she needs or they're telling her she has to make choices they're making her promise things to them and such and it's like you know i i think that that element of the movie is the thing that even though it's nagging to hear it coming from uh, so many different characters and kind of befalling upon Marfa all at once like this. And then, you know, and then continuously throughout the movie until the big courtroom scene where she does get a chance to verbalize exactly what it is that she wants for herself. I, I, I actually think that that aspect of the writing is the strongest part. And I think that's the part that works the best. Hey there, I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. I think the part that impresses me most is that it's kind of, they've kind of gender swapped the roles from how we normally see them in film. Usually the the woman is the one who is, you know, screaming and agonizing and crying and very wearing their emotions on their sleeve. And here she is very internal, whereas... Shia LaBeouf's character, the husband, is the one who is like, can't we just talk about this? I want to talk about this and, you know, we got to do something, move on. Or And he's crying and he's shouting and hitting things and 
taking his pants off and yeah you know that uh, the sex scene in this um midway through it's one of the most oh it was it was uncomfortable to to begin with and that's the intention of the filmmaker but it's even more uncomfortable knowing the larger the new context um that that we have yeah that's something that like having seen it before that news came out and now after it does play i think even more uncomfortably and like luckily for them it's meant to so i think it it like helps in a way um but that is i actually found that like on my second watch harder to watch than the birth sequence um and it's pretty it really does it really does also encapsulate kind of you know what what we're talking about with this whole thing of like sort of no one is thinking about her needs nope. everyone is thinking about their own needs uh which like you know like we said i think that's one of the best parts of the movie and i think like part of why i like the screenplay so much is just that it actually does address that and i think that it's important you know something that you said earlier nicole that like this isn't something that people really talk about and i think that's sort of the unspoken main thesis of the movie like people don't talk about this partially because they have people constantly telling them what they should be feeling which makes it even harder for them to articulate their what they are actually feeling but also like how much how much better the world would be if people did talk about this so they had other people who went through this sort of experience that they could talk to and understand what they're going through and actually process things instead of going along with what people who have no clue and like in the dialogue readily admit that they can't possibly understand what they're going through right it's like everyone else the only way that they can think about it is in terms of like revenge or vengeance or compensation and that's on such a different level than what this character is experiencing yeah um that i think it really does highlight like they have no idea how to talk to her about it and because of that she has no way to express what she's feeling um and and that's part of why that performance is so internalized. When she's in the courtroom scene at the end and she has like a line where she says something to the effect of um, there is no amount of compensation for how she feels yeah. and, that, and that she as a person like cannot be compensated. I mean like that – I don't want to shit all over the writing of this movie. I feel like I, I feel like it might come across like I think that the screenplay is awful and everything else is fantastic. The screenplay does have some good moments, but I do think that Kirby, once again, you know, it, it, you, you need a really, really strong performance to help sell a bit of the melodrama and cliche eye rolling dialogue at times. But I, I think especially in that courtroom scene, she knocks it out of the park. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think I think the screenplay is hit or miss. It does have hits. It does have moments that really work, like that courtroom scene. Um, I think I think the biggest problem that I have with it is, as you guys said, you know, some of the most impactful things are when the screenplay is commenting on um, how nobody else knows what she's going through, but they're trying to understand. There's enough drama there uh, to sustain a film, but instead, the film doesn't stop there. It piles on more and more and more and more and more and more. There's adultery. There's abuse. There's attempted rape. There's like verbal abuse. There's like all this stuff that it just piles on and on and on that it gets 
it gets to be too much when there's enough inherent drama in just trying to cope with this tragedy. Movie's 128 minutes long. Somebody mentioned before could have been 90. I, I have to agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I Especially when we get to the part where Ellen burst in just, just after the big monologue, which makes absolutely no sense, but is rivetingly performed. <laughs> um, when she goes to Shiloh's character and just says like whips out her checkbook and says how much exactly basically. and I like I like oh really we're going there it's just too much <laughs> and all, like and also at the same time I went like oh shit she did that you know but like I, it also it, it does seem it seems very in character for her it does. <laughs> like, I was exactly. like. Oh, She's doing that. I have to ask, how much money do you think she gave him? Ten dollars. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking at least five. Go see a Star War. <laughs> I gotta say, we're talking about this monologue, this Ellen Burstyn monologue. It did not bother me at all. I really, I, I don't think it's like she was recalling a memory she had as an infant. I really did. It felt to me like reiterating family history, you know? That's what I got on the second time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that really, it really we, did not bother me. It's, it's all, like the kind of story that like your mom tells you a thousand times and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this time it actually has relevance. Um, yeah. So yeah, that didn't bug me at all. The thing that bothered me is more like, I am trying to figure out how old everyone is and when oh, this oh story is supposed to be taking place. Because, like, so we're during the Holocaust. If it's 2020 now, then Ellen Burstyn is up at about 80 or so. And Vanessa Kirby is 30. So she had her when she was 50? Yeah. I mean, well, in the, real the life, Ellen Burstyn... Ellen Burstyn is like 56 years older than Vanessa Kirby, I think. But regardless, uh, I, I, the thing that just strikes me as just weird in that whole thing, it's like, you know what I did, Martha? I lifted my head. That's a verbatim line. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, I, I get what you're saying, Cody. Like I do, I do that it's like, performed it because she's an amazing actress is so personal that it comes across as though she's like she's recalling history sure. <laughs> so it, it it was just it just both times that i watched it i was like incredible acting amazing performance and kind of ridiculous content no. i'm not gonna lie i have those memories in quotes that I tell from when I was like a toddler that like I don't remember it I remember my mom telling it to me but I like to act like I do so <laughs> it worked for me I don't know I do think like yes is some of the con like if I read it on a page I would probably be like um okay anyways <laughs> but yeah. she performs it so well and like yes. knowing that the latter half of it was ad-libbed by her like she was just feeling it and there's that great story about how she said like Vanessa Kirby said to her make me go to court mm -hmm. um mm. and she felt like she you know had had to keep going to make sure that she would say the right things to get that character to go to the courthouse um and I totally get that from it. Like, I think it serves its narrative purpose so well that I do feel like, like, I'm not saying it's a perfect monologue, but I do feel like some of the people on Twitter who are criticizing it, um, 
it feels kind of like when everybody criticized that one scene in Marriage Story that I was like, okay, yeah, but within the, like, in the context of the film, it makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, it, that is sort of where the movie, like, tips over way into melodrama land, which is, like, it's definitely working in a lot of those tropes and traditions and because Ellen Burstyn knows from melodrama I mean she did win an Oscar for one um, you know she knows what she's doing and you cannot look away from her no in in that moment I remember seeing that you know like when I saw it at TIFF it had just premiered at Venice and everyone is Vanessa Kirby Vanessa Kirby Vanessa Kirby and <laughs> the second Ellen Burstyn finished that monologue I was like <laughs> Well, she's getting an Oscar nomination. I remember, too. like, we both, like, Dan and I, like, <laughs> yeah. locked eyes, and we just had, like, the dumbest grins on our faces. Like, and our eyes were, yeah. like, so wide, and we just nodded to each other, like, yes, Ellen. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> All right, final thoughts on Pieces of a Woman. Daniel Howard, I toss it over to you first. There's a lot to criticize. Obviously, I've I've criticized quite a bit in this film, but really, I am more positive than negative on it. I think the performances, it, it, even just that alone, the performances make this worth watching. Um, they are really stunning, uh, especially from from the the three main characters there, and um, uh, and the directing. I think it is very very well directed. I really want to see what this director does with a, a really excellent screenplay. Cause I think I th- there's a lot of great camera movement and obviously directing these performances this way. Um, and of course the stunning sequence. So it's really good. Uh, final thoughts um, as a random thing. The first time I watched it, I had no idea Jimmy fails was in it. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> uh, and the second time I watched it, I had no idea Jimmy Fails was in it, and so I was uh, pleasantly surprised on the second time around. I totally forgot <laughs> he was in this movie. <laughs> I had, I couldn't, I did not remember that at all. Uh, so yeah, he, he's barely in it, but uh, but it's always nice to see Jimmy Fails in the wild. Um, so yeah, uh, it, this is a, a a a solid film about grief, but it's mostly about the performances than anything else. But it's definitely still worth a watch. Okay. Ryan C. Showers. I really like the use of color in this film, mm. specifically um, the way that they use the color red. Yes. Um, like there's she, like Vanessa Kirby's character. She wears a lot of red. Mm-hmm. At, one, at one point, I literally gasped. She had like a red coat on it. I was like, ooh, it just took my breath away. Yeah. Um, also, the, the dark room scene um, towards the end of the film really worked for me. Again, like on that stylistic element of the directing that I really liked. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm good. Okay, cool. Cody Derricks. Uh, yeah, I really also appreciated the darkroom scene. And again, speaking to the internalized nature of the character, you're kind of in her shoes a lot of the time, even though the movie doesn't stick with her the whole time. That when she finally has that emotional moment in the darkroom, literally in the dark, like she nobody else can see her. <laughs> um, it really just totally works. And it, it definitely worked for me. Um, a couple nitpicks. Um, I hate to say it, the pregnancy belly looks really fake. Um, but given the like blocking requirements of that scene and what I'm sure was a nightmare to choreograph and like essentially do like makeup changes while the camera is rolling, I don't really begrudge it that much, but it did kind of make me go like, hmm. But otherwise, yeah, the the writing and the directing again work in tandem to create a really wonderful, like powerful moment that can uh work to both uh overpower the the, uh, the failings of the direction and the writing in a way if that makes sense they they're helping each other out yeah 
no, I definitely agree with that for sure. Dan Bear. I think that there's been this like this weird low-key theme throughout 2020 movies of uh, movies that are on the face of it, like when you describe them, sound very, very difficult to watch and are about very sort of harrowing experiences, but in large part because of lead performers that are very keyed into the work and um, direction that is that keeps things moving and constantly engaging. The movies are much easier to watch than you would think. I'm, I'm thinking of like sound of metal. Um, in addition to this, the father kind of, they think the really great thing about this is that it's so emotional and so devastating, but like I, there was never a point where I felt like it got too much like, I never wanted to turn it off. I never wanted to pause it so I could take a break. I was thoroughly invested in this movie from almost the start to all the way through to the end. And even if it ends on a somewhat, like, uh, of course moment, it's still, this this way the story comes full circle, I think is just really well done and well told, even if, like, a lot of others, I... I have some nitpicks with how we get there. All right. Nicole Ackman. A few last notes. One, I really love the costuming for Vanessa Kirby in this. Um, Obviously, Vanessa Kirby is the kind of woman who you could literally put any piece of clothing on her and it'd be like, wow, it looks great. Um, But I think that the way that they style the character and the way that they kind of build her character, particularly in opposition to um, Shia LaBeouf's character, is very smart. Um, uh, I also, I just have to say, obviously we've talked about the fact that like she gives a fantastic performance, but I think the physicality of her performance, particularly in that birthing scene is just phenomenal. Um, the, the physical acting work that she's doing in that sequence just absolutely floors me every time the way that she's not, um, you know, she spends a lot of it like burping and like doing all this other physical work that I feel like. Uh, it takes an actor really committing for it to look right and look natural, and she absolutely achieves that. I also just have to say, I feel like a lot of times um, Ellen Burstyn's performance is getting sort of reduced to that monologue. I was very surprised, actually, in the second watch. I was like, oh, right, she's all over this movie. Like, it is a proper supporting performance. Um, but I just also have to say, the bit in the scene, you know, where they're at the house before she delivers the monologue, where she's talking about staging and how she she's like, see, you have a chair and it looks kind of boring, but then I put a cushion in it. Um, I laughed out loud. Like, I thought that was absolutely delightful. And I actually think my favorite line in the whole thing is when she's like, I never liked you. And it's not because you're poor. Um, the way that she builds that character who is like a very specific type of woman um it makes it very recognizable but still very believable i think is so fantastic so i'm just absolutely blown away by both of them i actually think i'm so sorry miss mulligan uh vanessa kirby might be my favorite performance of the year not just female performance but favorite overall um and i truly truly uh hope that she you know gets her her fair due for it all right in terms of uh, final thoughts for me, uh, all I'm saying is that if you're going to take a piece of an apple from a tree like that, wash it first. You don't know what bugs are crawling inside that thing. 
Uh, what else do I have besides that? I mean, I think we did a pretty good job of summing everything up. Oh, wait, got to mention this one. Um, when Benny Safdie is uh, mentioning to the group, you know, I was listening to uh, Pastor the other day, and he said something really deep, really deep. He said, time heals all wounds. And then you hear Sean just go, oh, deep. It's like nobody knows what to say, and it's like the most cliched thing to say in the book. Um, I don't know why, but that got like a really like unexpected laugh out of me. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and Nicole, actually, I was going to mention uh, about the pillow <laughs> moment because that is something that is it's just so like, good. oh, that is something that my mom would do. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. All right. Uh, my grade for this movie is a seven out of ten. Ryan, what is yours? I'm the same. Okay. Daniel? I'm a 6 out of 10. Okay. Cody? Oh, am I going to be the highest? I'm an 8 out of 10. I don't know about that because I'm asking Nicole next. Nicole? Yeah, I'm an 8, and it's a strong 8. I actually flirted with the idea of making it a 9, but I am sticking with an 8. Dan Bear? I am a 7. Okay. And for the Oscar prospects for Pieces of a Woman, you know, right now... At this time, I do think that the conversation is mostly on Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Burstyn. However, there is this really, really weird part of me that thinks that this movie could surprise with a little bit more than that on nomination morning. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm reminded of something like Room, which was for a long time like the Brie Larson show with a best picture possibility. And then like it all of a sudden got best director and nobody was like shocked. I don't think this will do that well, but sometimes a performance heavy movie can just like really bring along a bunch of other stuff with it. Yeah, it is well directed, but I think that if, if you if it gets a best director nom, it would be for the the home birth scene and. I don't know that that is the same. Like when they were campaigning room, they made a big deal about how they really shot in that room and they built that room and they had to come up with all these different new creative ways to be able to film in it. And I think that was what got Lenny Abramson that director nomination. That was a semi surprise. And I don't know that I see the same kind of thing happening here. It, it could go along for adapted screenplay though oh even though we all say that the writing is bad like it sounds like something that it feels like something that would resonate with a lot of people i you know i don't disagree with you in terms of it working for academy voters potentially but like oh man (laughs) like at what expense (laughs) at what expense would that would that get in there (laughs) I mean, that yeah, category I, is weird as I, hell I, this year, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I weirdly think director is more uh, probable than screenplay, um, which isn't usually the case. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's possible that that happens because, like I said, I, I think the direction is really showy, uh, but not overly showy. Um, but I I still am leaning towards it's all about the performances because um, I, I – I don't imagine, especially in light of Shia LaBeouf's allegations, it's really hard for them to campaign this film effectively. I think, um, and so I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna mostly come down to Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Burstyn. I kind of disagree with the room comparison because I mean, and I think we should just kind of keep everything in check. I mean, the reviews for this movie aren't sterling. Like, it, they're they're fine. They're they're positive, but I, Room had really great reviews. I think I agree with Howitt. 
I, I think that the performances are really going to what, carry over through the storm of awards season. Um, and and I wouldn't even be surprised if um, if if Ellen Burstyn misses here or there. I mean, she'll she'll get nominated in the end, I think. But I mean, I don't know. I just don't think that I'm not confident that this is like like written in stone um, as a contender across all mediums. I mean, it will be, but I, I'm confident. But I'm not like I'm not as I'm not I'm not as high on it as everyone else is. I'm just curious, Ryan. Is that because of the way that after having seen the film or is it because of how it's being embraced right now by the critics? Like, wh- like where, where do you think that sudden change is coming from? Well, to be honest, I, I think it's, I think it's strange that Vanessa Kirby hasn't played, hasn't really um, had a big critics win um, yet. Um, but I, and I'm, I'm sure like, I'm sure she, she's going to get five for five with the televised awards. I'm just not confident that it's going to be, um, like for instance, I could see Burson missing one of the five nominations. Um, and again, Burson's my favorite performance in this film. I think she's, she's fantastic, but I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm not as sold on it as appealing to the awards body as everyone else's in terms of wins or nominations. I'm sorry. I just want to clarify. Um, well, definitely wins. I don't think either of them are going to win. Okay. I'm not as sold as uh, in a in such, in such a confident way i don't know i i would love to talk about uh vanessa curry in terms of who is going to win best best actress considering certain members of next best picture have roasted me for uh not having viola davis uh up until recently i i do i do strongly believe that um vanessa curry was gunning towards a win i think before shia labeouf's uh before the allegations which makes it harder to campaign the film um i still think i still agree with ryan i think she's getting nominated everywhere i don't think she's gonna miss a single nomination um but best actress is just really up in the air i i i really don't feel like it's just an easy coast to a win for viola davis i i think that uh you could make a case for probably four of the women to, to win. I do think Davis is out in front, but I think Kirby's performance here is going to be really well received. I think she's going to be really, I think she's going to get a lot of votes. I think she's uh, going to come close to a Davis is, uh, is probably going to pull it out in the end. Here's the, here's the big difference. And Ryan and I have talked about this extensively off air as has uh, Dan and I, I really think that unless a Vanessa Kirby is sweeping all of the televised awards, which I'm not predicting, it comes down to who has a Best Picture nomination and who does not. And that plus the overarching narrative. Like, I I, I just, I think that other actresses, I think both Mulligan and Davis have more of a compelling Oscar narrative um, than Vanessa Kirby does. I think Vanessa Kirby, in my mind, she's, She's the type of like candidate for best actress who we um, we talk about a lot during the festivals. Then and like her spot secured, but whenever push comes to shove, she's more like a number three in the vote count. You know who she is? She's uh, she's Margot Robbie and I Tanya. Yeah, yeah. To hope for a win, she'd have to like this is a strange comparison, but kind of like Adrian Brody her way through the um, like two ish <laughs> people at the top. But it all depends also too on how the televised awards get distributed. Mm-hmm. Like if if Kirby has two of those major awards, I mean I I would definitely you know watch out 
for a situation like that. But once again, the trend over the last decade especially has been, with the exception of Meryl Streep for the Iron Lady, uh, you either are a sweeper or you are in a Best Picture nominee. And like I said, Meryl Streep has been the only exception to that so far. So with the competition being this strong with Frances McDormand, Viola Davis, Carrie Mulligan, I mean, the, you know, it's going to have to be one of those things where even the critics are going to have to start backing someone and then all the other televised groups are going to have to fall in line and thus we'll have a sweeper be born. Otherwise, man, I'm just going to look at who's nominated for Best Picture on Oscar nomination morning. And let me tell you this much. If it comes down to... Viola Davis and Frances McDormand is the only two with Best Picture nominations. I'm going with Viola Davis uh, winning her first and lead as opposed to Frances winning a third. Same. And and yeah. is there anyone here that really thinks that Piece of Woman is going to get a Best Picture nomination? No. no. So Kirby's got a really, really uphill battle to climb, in my opinion, then. Yeah, I mean, I'm you not have to look at it, but I don't think it's like it wouldn't be the most shocking thing to me on nomination. No. Day. Yeah, I agree. In terms of precursors, I mean, like, what's the most likely thing for her to win? BAFTA, I guess. But then, like, Carrie Mulligan is a hometown girl. So who knows? Mm-hmm. There's kind of weird little hurdles at uh, at each turn for her. Yeah. I, I, I'm starting to feel like Ryan does where – because I've had Vanessa Kirby predicted for a very long time. Uh, but I am starting to now come around to this is more of a welcome to the club nomination than an inauguration. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's and I guess that's yeah. my point. Like I've kind of felt that yeah. the whole time. And like maybe like I am not denying that her performance is very worthy. Like um, the scene, like uh, my favorite part of her performance actually is whenever she's going back and forth with Ellen Burson in that um, in the in Ellen Burson's big monologue scene. I think she, like, she just she stunned me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just and I, there's no denying the like like Nicole said the physicality of her performance in the birthing scene. Um, it just, be, because we've talked about the fact that it's such an internalized performance for a lot of the film, that I think also kind of hurts her if not everything else around her campaign is 100% bulletproof, if that makes sense. Like, Viola Davis just leaps off the screen with her, like, her performance is very overt. Carrie Mulligan's is so, like, out there with all the snappy dialogue she has. Um, I, I just think that you really need to, I, I, I just don't think she has has enough to go for a win without a best picture nomination and without more critical support. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that she is great and very deserving in the movie, but like, I just think it's a super uphill battle to win. Well, do we think Ellen Burstyn could win? Because that's been circling around. I don't think so. I great, but like, I mean, there's a lot of like people who don't want Glenn Close to win, who have suggested her as an alternative, which I mean, I, I, I mean, it's an odd alternative to uh, present. Yeah. Well, the thing think, that um, both of Glenn Close and Ellen Burstyn have going against them is they're not really doing amazingly with critics. Glenn worse, obviously. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I mean, it's been the Bakalova show and the Yeo Jung Yeon show for a while. Um, if Netflix wants to kick into gear some sort of, you know, her win was almost 50 years ago and she's still been turning in good performances. Doesn't she deserve another kind of narrative i think maybe something could be churning in the works for her but it seems like that would have already started so i don't know i think the easier narrative push is glenn close's narrative like yeah 100 yeah. it's so easy despite the bad reviews it's so easy to push I, that. i'm very happy with her getting the nomination and claiming that title of oldest nominee i i think that would be 
great enough. You know what I mean? And that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michael Schwartz has been pushing for Ellen Burstyn to win her second, weirdly. Like, even though he, he seems to like Glenn too, but like, I feel like um, there's been a lot, there has been some conversation about her winning a second. And I don't know, you know, I, I wouldn't hate it if she won for this. Um, so, but it does seem weird to give her a second and Glenn, Glenn a none. Exactly. (laughs) I do think that if she won for this on Oscar night, I'd be like, oh, so Vanessa Kirby's winning then? Yeah, me too. I don't like the film that much. Um, But I also, like, I don't see that happening without... I guess maybe if it did get a Best Picture nomination, maybe then I would consider that as a possibility. Um, And again, like, if Netflix could sell that whole narrative of, like, she'd be the oldest Oscar nominee ever, um, maybe... They could make it happen, but I'm just Netflix has so much going on that I'm not sure that they're gonna do that. Yeah. Well, you know, the film has been playing well on Netflix. Yeah. Like, from what I understand, um, it's been viewed a lot um, since it released on Thursday. Um, so I mean, maybe it does find a, a, a real audience within the Academy and within uh, it starts a conversation within the culture uh, as a, abroad. You know. Mm-hmm. Totally. So. Okay. Well, that'll do it for our conversation on Peace of Woman here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Nicole, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16 Dan Bear? You can find me on Twitter at DanceAndDan on film. Cody Derricks? I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91. Daniel Howitt? Find me on Twitter at HowittDK. And Ryan C. Showers? You can find me on Twitter at RCS818. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Rate us five stars. Drop us a comment. And if you want to take that a step further, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.